Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 213th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? Cameron, um, today I'm not great, I'm not good or fine, I'm cursed. And you, so are you. Yeah, well. And so is everyone listening to this. Because I'm, we are fans of a team that perpetually reminds us that when you think it can, it can be bad, it can be a lot worse. And we experienced that this weekend, this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that could have made this worse is like if Mizzou is a good team with like higher goals for the season. Yeah, well, don't even say that because it's probably going to happen someday. That's true. We had already like, uh, you know, preseason. We're like, okay, let's keep it realistic here. Uh, you know, six and six, seven and five. That's the kind of team we're looking at this year. Something great happens, maybe better. And we saw them not do very well um, in a couple games. So then, literally, just like uh, Coach Drinkwitz would want us to, we had to look at one week at a time and be like, okay, can we muster anything in this Auburn game to make us happy? And the answer was yes for about one quarter, and the rest, absolutely not. Not only that, we're going to do a couple things that are the equivalent of ripping your heart out of your body and tearing it to shreds and throwing it up in the air. Throwing it up in the air just for like... Yeah, just like... Just like extra like effect. Confetti style. Okay, yeah, that that would be pretty bad if you watch somebody to do that. Do that. Yeah, I mean, you have no idea how many times I've just been like laying in bed, crying myself to sleep, and thinking about that field goal, that 26-yard field goal, just going in, just going straight in. Or maybe even Nate Pete, just just going right out of bounds at the one. Or maybe even just holding onto the ball and going right into the end zone and all the players celebrating around him. I've done a lot of just envisioning those things happening in my mind, but it's not real. It's hypothetical didn't happen now we must deal with the consequences maybe one day technology will allow us to peer into the universe in which mizzou football and basketball are actually good and in that universe we won this game by 30 you know with a competent offense does that make you feel better that maybe in a parallel universe somewhere we won that game I have to assume that even in, in, in that parallel universe, I, I, as I don't exist in a form that I would recognize because we're too far away from that being real here in our universe. There's not even like a glimpse of it. There's not a deja vu feeling of Mizzou being good at football or basketball. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. I understand. I understand that. Um, so we've got to we've got to break down, react to this awful Auburn game. Um, then we're going to preview Georgia. That'll be a fun yeah, one. Yeah, get a nice bounce back opponent. That'll be good. It's a it's your classic get right game. Yeah, I just think. get our confidence up a little bit. Um, before we do that, don't forget subscribe on YouTube, leave us a review, support us on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/MissouriSportsPod. We appreciate anybody over there. Suffer with us in the Discord. Yeah, that's the place to be during these games, I tell you. And one of these days, we're going to have a good game that'll be fun to watch, and we'll get in the voice chat and, you know, talk to everybody. But as one of our folks pointed out last week, that would be incredibly depressing. Just a bunch of grown men. Just a bunch just of sad boys. Being sad and listening to each other be sad. Anyway. Really selling it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Come be Come be sad with us. <laughs> Uh, Missouri lost to Auburn 17 to 14. Um, if Pete holds on to the ball, Missouri wins. Do they kick the extra point in that situation? I don't I'm going to say not. no. I don't think in overtime. Um, if Pete holds on to the ball, Missouri wins 20 to 17, which is exactly the score I predicted. So obviously that's that was never going to happen. The most sad thing of the entire. That's that's the most sad part. Yeah, exactly. You could have nailed the prediction. Yeah. Um, somebody pointed out to us that was listening after the fact. We specifically talked about how it was going to be a great opportunity for Harrison Mavis to have a good game. Missouri's offense probably going to struggle, so we're going to need him to come through, and he was going to have a big game. 
It was a big game. We just had to say that. It was a big game for him. It was a big game. Um, just to get the boring stuff out of the way, Brady Cook, uh, 14 of 24 passing, 179 yards, one interception, and a rushing touchdown. Pete, 20 rushes for 110 yards. Schrader had a touchdown. Dominic Lovett, awesome game, five receptions for 102 yards. Oh, yeah, you want to know some more irony, kind of like you just pointed out with Harrison Mevis and how we talked about him beforehand. About halfway through the game, uh, I unfortunately tweeted something like, Pete is awesome. He's been our best player today. Yeah. Because at that point, he was playing really well, and he was one of the bright spots of Mizzou's offense that was clearly struggling, but he was, I mean, he was fighting for yards. He was hitting holes and, like, playing well. And He played great right up until the last a millisecond of the football game yeah and of course people were finding that tweet after the fact so that's always nice but hey i i mean it was true in the moment and i still think he brings a lot of value obviously yeah. to the team he's our best running back right now and he's gotta just i don't know man he's gotta forget about what happened and just keep going because we need him um there's something about watching missouri put themselves in a hole Missouri football and just like immediately things go bad. Yeah. And then, okay, now let's see if we can pull ourselves back into this game. How many games have we done that in the last few years? Basketball too. It's just like, all right, big game. I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm like all week I'm looking forward to it. And then it's like literally within minutes. I'm like yeah. the, the, the hype is over. It's Why dead. was I ever excited for this? What are we doing? Yeah. Like within minutes of the game starting. And then, and then at the end of the game, it's like maybe not close, but like relatively competitive yeah. or close. Yeah. And it's like if we just didn't do the, everything horrible for the first quarter of this game, we'd probably win or come close. And um, I don't know. I, I should have realized this after the Kansas State game, but it was just such a bloodbath. I, I just forgot. And it's so early in the season. But we've talked about before how like – multiple times in losses a under drinkwitz missouri has looked awful at the beginning and then actually fought back to make it competitive yeah his first year they did that a lot and we would talk about like barry odom teams man when they got down early or like had some adversity early in a game they just folded yep and i feel like honestly the kansas state game is the first time we've seen uh Drinkwitz coach team in a game that's supposed to be competitive just kind of stop showing up yeah I mean that was one thing we immediately loved about Drinkwitz in that first season is as a massive like measurable improvement over Barry Odom was like these teams his team does not quit until the game is over even when they get down at the beginning which I mean still was a thing in Barry Odom era too right get down big and have to you know climb back in or whatever or just choose not to like his teams did but that's something we loved about about Coach Drinkwitz's coach team in that first season. Definitely did not happen in the Kansas State game at all. But but we saw it here. Yeah. I mean, we saw it in the Auburn game. Right. Just immediately turned it around in the second quarter. was was great. It was all Mizzou in the second quarter. That first Auburn touchdown drive where they didn't pass the ball a single time, yes. just marched down the field. That was so frustrating. It was like we knew it. Yeah, like They basically told you they were going to do that. And... I mean, we talked about it last week. Like, just uh, don't even rush the quarterback. Just set the edge. Don't let him get outside. And several times in that first drive, like, they went all out to get to the quarterback, and he just was like, okay, I'll just take all this free right. space. and um, Free easily real pick, Yes, just easily pick up first downs, and that's what he did. And I think they improved on that as the game went on, but it just seemed like such an obvious, like, game plan just don't let him don't let him scramble don't let him get outside don't over pursue and that's exactly what they did early and brady cook forced the ball to luther burden and he was just covered well i, I mean i think i w- if they throw a flag there for pass interference i would be surprised um i wasn't necessarily oh, yeah. thinking that that was a terrible no call there's a little jersey to grab yeah um but I don't think I like Cook throwing that ball with where that was definitely a timing like I'm just gonna drop back and hit Luther Burden on the slant yeah he knew where he was going with it right before he snapped it yeah. and he had you know inside leverage on the defender but the defender was right there to make the play mm-hmm. and of course tips it up in the air for an interception and then Auburn immediately scores another touchdown just like that 14 nothing yep it looks like this is just gonna be a disaster of a game 
but Missouri actually answered with two uh, touchdowns in the second quarter, made it 14 all at halftime. Good looking drives. New football game, one half to play, except it basically was not a football game anymore because there were 14 drives in the second half, zero points for either team. It was brutal. Awful football. Good job by the Missouri defense. We knew that Auburn's defense had enough talent and size and athleticism to probably make it a rough day for the Missouri offense. I was just happy to see a not great Auburn offense have the same struggles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it was it was good to see Missouri actually make another offense look like it was struggling to do anything. And obviously, we knew, you know, a backup quarterback looked completely lost at times, especially after the first quarter. I think Missouri kind of figured out they're pretty one-dimensional here. Again, shouldn't have taken that long, but it finally they realized that Auburn's pretty one-dimensional and figured out how to shut them down. And it does seem like a lot of times we somehow get exploited by backup quarterbacks, and so it was good to see that not happen in this game. Five three-and-outs for Missouri in the second half. Um, luckily, Stonehouse was punting the ball pretty well. Yeah, in a game like this, um, I feel like the field – field position battle is amplified and you have to be able to flip the field if you are going three and out or whatever you have to be able to just get it get it down the field as much as possible when both teams can't score the worst thing you can do is give the other team good field position right so luckily he was not doing that right and missouri's offense was doing everything they could to give um auburn the ball in good field position he was saving it every time yeah yeah, we couldn't even get in field goal range. Like, no. we weren't even sniffing field goal range. That was the weird thing was, like, it wasn't even a big day for Mevis, really. He wasn't even evolved until the end because we couldn't even get into field goal range. Whether it was penalties, we were just couldn't couldn't go forward. And then when we did, it seemed like we would go backwards with penalties and lost yardage on plays and stuff. So, yeah, we couldn't even give Mevis an opportunity most drives. So that basically brings us to Auburn has the ball. Hell. That brings us to Auburn has the ball with about a minute 40 left in the game, fourth and one. And uh, shout out to somebody on YouTube who has the last uh, two minutes of this game and all of overtime yeah, available. Nice watch. Yeah. We just rewatched it right before this because it's been a while since the game happened. And it, it's worse than you remember. Don't go watch it. <laughs> Don't go watch it. On fourth and one with a minute 40 left, Mizzou stuffed. Tank Bixby, awesome play by the defense. Kind of uh, head-scratching play by Auburn. They just got into field goal range. Parsons trying to get fired. He's, he's trying to give us the game. He's eyeing that buyout from the sidelines. He's, yeah. he's doing some calculations, picking out his vacation house. I feel like, yeah, nine out of ten times they should have kicked there. There's, there was really no reason for them to go for it on fourth. Well, their kicker had already missed two field goals. That's true. Even with Missouri jumping off sides and giving him an extra five yards. Um, earlier in the game he missed two field goals I don't know why they don't QB sneak it there well that's what uh, RG3 was saying on the the broadcast was um, he was saying if you're going to go for this you just have to sneak it you cannot just hand it off to your to your running back here I mean Missouri really was dominating at the point of attack for most of the game like up front really on offense and defense I felt like Missouri's linemen were winning the battle in the trenches for the most part especially on defense of course and yeah, after those first two Auburn drives, yeah. it was like something clicked. Right, and, and RG3, just he called it. He just said, you cannot hand it off to your running back in this game the way your, your line's playing. And sure enough, that's what they did, and they just got stuffed. Uh, speaking of RG3 for a second, he's a little goofy, but, man, was it a breath of fresh air to hear an actually competent commentary, yes. like, broadcasting crew? But we don't get that enough. Oof. As, like, a SEC football team, we do not get that enough. Yeah. And even I, just watching this game back, uh, just a few minutes ago when we were yeah. watching the, the broadcast. I mean, obviously there was horror and uh, and unfolding in front of our eyes, but I did notice how the high quality of, of the call, like it yeah. was, there was a lot of energy. Right. It felt like we were watching an important game right. based on like how they were calling the missed field goal and that kind of stuff. Hopefully we see more of that now that we're in SEC play. Yes. Uh, hopefully we're past uh, some of the less than awesome broadcast We teams. probably aren't. Yeah, you can't. Uh, yeah, no more stack. Hopefully, yeah. Sorry, I was, I, love I, you. Yeah, love you, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Missouri gets the ball, less than two minutes. All we need is a field goal to take the lead. And Brady Cook, 
just finds a, n- another gear and he's ready to make some plays all of a sudden. <laughs> he, he runs After four hours. He runs for a first down, <laughs> then has an awesome uh, pass to Pete where he kind of like faked out the defender that was ready to make a play. Yes. And he gets us into field goal range. And then they air it out to Dominic Lovett and get us right there at the goal line pretty much. Yeah, I, I mean, I said this a minute ago to you guys. Uh, I was so happy in that moment for just a short time. I was just on cloud nine. We were going to win the game. I mean, we just – the offense finally looked like they were figuring out in like in crunch time. It was super clutch. Brady Cook, beautiful throw. Auburn's good defense on their heels. Yeah. Yes, like just taking advantage of Auburn on this on this drive. And the most great play by Lovett. Most important moment of the game. Great play by Cook and Lovett. Yeah. It's on like the five-yard line. The game's over. Still a minute left in the game. Yeah. So, um, whatever. We're right there. Let's just end this game. Let's kneel it. Let's get the clock all the way down to three seconds. Mevis, kick it through for the win. Yeah. That obviously didn't happen. Let's pause here for a second and talk about this because obviously this has been a big uh, topic of discussion. Should they have done that? Should they put it all into one play? I'll give you what I think first. As soon as I realized what they were doing, you know, you watch enough football, you know that this is a possibility. As soon as I saw what they were doing, I just immediately got nervous because you're re- literally putting it all into one play. Right. I cannot argue that they did anything wrong there. As a not someone who has ever coached a football game, I, I f- don't feel like I could do it. I feel like... With that much time left on the clock and first and goal or whatever it was i think first and goal i feel like i'm just gonna run the ball yep. a couple times and see if we can get in the end zone yeah i, I mean I, I don't know that my opinion's that helpful here because i'm kind of just like well i could kind of see both arguments Absolutely. because in the moment i was like yeah why wouldn't you just just score just score but at the same time when i'm thinking back Really, I kind of think either option is completely fine. It just depends on whatever worked. Yeah. And they both could have worked. Yeah. I, and if you run the scenario 100 times, you probably come away with a win 99 of 100 times yeah. when you're in that situation, whether you decide to go run for it. And maybe you just try it a couple times and if it doesn't work, and then take the knee and just kick the field goal. And honestly, I was fine with whatever they wanted to do there. There were so few ways they could screw it up that it just was like, okay, well, whatever you want to do is fine. I, I I pretty much agree with you. I think what just in my mind, seeing a minute left on the clock. Yeah, still a lot of time. Is just like, okay, like, yeah. uh, I don't know. That do freaks think, me out. And that's right. almost a irrational take on my part. Like, it yeah. shouldn't matter. Like, if they complete the pass to love it and we have three timeouts and it's first and goal, but there's only 20 seconds on the clock and they kneel it down to three and kick the field goal. For some reason in my head, that's different. That's better. That makes more sense to me than okay. there being a minute left on the clock. I don't know. I just feel like yeah, you there's no urgency to like make a snap decision. You can just kind of run a play, right? And it f- almost it feels goes. more normal. Yeah, I don't know. I, I do. I do agree with that. It was almost just like created. Just like okay, this is a little weird. Like just kind of and with the way Brady Cook, he didn't just kneel it. He did some weird. Stuff, yeah, he's where he was like, like kind of trying to get in the middle of the field. Right. It was like there was just they created so much importance to just get to the kick that it was almost a little bit strange. Yeah. But I feel like maybe the best argument for what they did do is just the fact that they had so much control over the clock and yeah. they could have just basically there's no way we can fumble, there's no way we can give the ball away here. The worst possible thing that can happen is we run this down to zero and we kick. Yeah. And that's what they did. And so the worst thing that can happen is we take this to overtime. And so I guess I understand is like you basically risk there's no risk of turnover. The worst thing that can happen unless it's like a blocked kick or something. Yeah. You, you go to overtime. So I guess I do understand that they had control over the clock with the timeouts and everything. And you got an all-American kicker. He makes that kick, like I said, 99 of 100 times. I truly believe that. Yeah, if you have Auburn's kicker there, you're like maybe a little more hesitant to do that. Yeah, I feel like if you have Mevis, it's like... Yeah, yeah. it's just automatic for him usually. The other team doesn't get the ball. Right. That's important, I feel like, in that situation. I don't know. Yeah. I do feel like... uh, Okay, so let's talk about Mevis. Uh, Obviously, uh, we didn't get to see the whole story of what was happening... (laughs) 
on the sideline. We saw like one, at least I remember one specific shot where they kind of showed him on the sideline, just kind of talking to somebody. wasn't really the, warming up. wasn't really the snapper. I think wasn't really the, practicing the kicks. He might have been doing that beforehand. I, we don't know. Yeah, but it did look like he was just ultra relaxed. Which, again, if he just makes the kick, we're not thinking anything of it. Mm-hmm. But he didn't, and now we're kind of like, okay, what was like, what was going on on the sideline? Were you not ready? Were you not mentally ready for this moment? Were you not taking this seriously enough? I don't know. I don't. I think. I think he just missed it. We're just going into it's just, it. It's just unbelievable that he missed it. 26-yard field goal. And he was 10 for 10 in his career, I think. Um, what's, a, what's an extra point? I mean, is that even closer than an extra point? It's mm, That's got to be right. No, like, it's a little longer. But I think an longer. extra point is maybe like 19 or 20 yards. Okay. Yeah. So it's not... Basically an extra point. I wondered if we were so close that it was almost unnaturally close but i don't think that was the case well and like getting it in the middle of the field i feel like i've said this before to you guys that in the nfl the hash marks are closer together and they're the same distance apart as the goalposts. and in college they're wider oh, so right. i feel like getting it in the middle of the field is more important in that situation mm-hmm. but yeah sometimes it's like when you're that close i don't know i don't know yeah you're right he just missed it honestly probably do a psychoanalysis on <laughs> What was going through everybody's mind in that moment, honestly, but But if you're sitting there, if I told you before, I was like, Okay, at the end of this game, you can either have Harrison Mevis kick a twenty seven yard field goal to win the game, or you're gonna be on like the ten or fifteen yard line and you have to go get a touchdown. What would you rather have? Yeah. I'd, mm. I'd take Mevis. I, yeah. I really yeah. think I would. He's shown to be clutch in pretty much every other kick he's ever made. He's Hit some game winners. He's he. I coach was talking about it in a press in his press conference. He hit like a fifty-seven yarder to send us to overtime against Boston College last year. Like that. And was, I can't remember the situation, but there was the Arkansas game mm-hmm. where he hit uh, yeah another forty plus yeah. to to win the game. He's made clutch kicks before, and that's why one reason why I feel like he's so beloved is because he's shown up in those moments. He seems totally unfazed by what's happening, and uh, obviously, he uh, he is human. Uh, so we go to overtime. Then Auburn gets the ball first, and we almost turn him over immediately. Um, I cannot remember who made the play. Martez. Well, he was the one that almost caught it. Right. Um, I don't know who tipped it. Was there a tip or something? I can't remember. But there was almost an interception, looked clean, but the ball hit the ground. So then Auburn gets a chance at a field goal, and they miss. But Missouri jumped off sides. For the second time in the game, we have given Auburn a – Closer field goal by five yards because we jumped off sides. I was so furious. I was screaming at the TV. How does that happen? A second time. Yes, a second you, time. It's happened already in the game. You should be thinking so hard. Do not dare move until Just I see the ball move. watch the ball. Yeah. Literally don't do anything. Yeah, honestly. You don't need to block it. <laughs> right. Yes. Just let him kick. It was a pretty long field goal. And, when, and we know he's not the best. He's already missed two earlier in the game so just relax kick the, whatever I, I don't care if they go up by three and we get the ball back we go yes. score a touchdown we win mm-hmm. the game yes so don't just worry too much about blocking the kick don't worry about about jumping the snap especially after you've already done it yeah oh god i know <laughs> so then of course auburn makes the second field goal um it just made it look easy perfectly split the uprights but everything's fine because on the second play of Missouri's um, drive in overtime, Nathaniel Pete just carves up the defense, gets to the sideline, and scores a touchdown. Except no, he throws the ball on the ground first. <laughs> he didn't go out of bounds. He, but he didn't go in the end zone either. He literally was just in this t- like tiny little like six by six inch like cubic f- foot of space where it was like the the no man's land where he's like you can't fumble here well he did and i knew i knew it immediately yeah i i watched it in real time i tweeted something like the game was over blah 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 before Before, they reviewed it yeah before they showed any replays i absolutely thought i knew for sure that the ball was out of his hand before it touched the plane i was only thinking please let him have stepped out of bounds yeah 
before that happened. But no, that did not happen. And it's a 20-yard tw- a run. And Nobody touched him. Yeah. He's just – the Auburn was just – they were done. Inches away from the ball crossing the plane. And it, inches away from him stepping out of bounds. Like, I mean, you cannot even explain to – I was trying to tell my wife about this game later. Like, I was like, I almost just gave up. I was just like, there's no way I can explain to you – the twists and turns and just like the unbelievable things that happened in this game. I've never experienced anything like this. Like we've seen some weird losses as Mizzou fans, <laughs> like just some absolute stuff that does not make sense. This, is on, this, this is on par with anything that I've seen that I wasn't a fan of. Like just, yes, you know, just like a, a neutral bystander. Yeah. Like everybody was sweetening about this game, like how insane it was. Good time to be on ESPN. Oh yeah. Um, like, Pete had a good game, and that was a great run to ice it, potentially. You can't do that. You can't try to switch hands and, and, and stick the ball out. I don't, I'm don't. i sorry. I know if he actually scores, great. If he loses the ball two inches later, great. But that's way the risk-reward there. I don't know. I it, Maybe you might disagree with me, but I feel like the risk-reward there is not worth it. Yeah, I just feel like it's instinct, really. He probably wasn't thinking about it that much in the moment. But, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, you, he's thinking, I'm going to score. Yeah. That's what he's thinking. Yeah. And this is the thing I'm going to do to score. And yep. it I mean, you work. see you guys do that I all the time, know. like stretch out for a first down or something mm. like that. But that just uh, – it felt different. It did. It felt it was different like in the moment. His hand was on top of the ball instead of, like, under it which well, i feel like is significant i could be wrong but i'm remembering him like holding the ball on his left side mm-hmm. and then reaching out with there had there was yeah. a little bit of a transfer yeah, over he to had the to right transfer hand. It from the left side of his body yeah to his right hand because he was kind of going out of bounds so right the only way it was going to cross the line is if he yeah took it with his right hand yeah just, even just it put out. it out with both hands if if you have to i don't i don't just know. go out of bounds at the one and we have yeah. first and goal just, at the one literally just, anything else that's what hurts so much is just like there are so many moments where I was just like, well, if we just didn't do the worst thing ever, we win the game. There's like multiple ways we could have just accidentally won the game. Harson's like, you got to be kidding me. Like <laughs> every time we almost win the game and don't, Harson's like pissed. Just the, like <laughs> there's like the emoji of like the money bag with wings. It's just like <laughs> that's all he can think about is just, just like the money flying out of the stadium. This payday just <laughs> leaving his grasp. <laughs> Yeah, that's like the that's the meme right there. Like Brian Harson is Pete and his eight million dollar buyout is the football leaving his hand. <laughs> so after further review, game over, Missouri loses. It's I mean, this ga- uh, this loss is just it hurts so bad because I mean, yes, I think everybody knows at this point Missouri's not winning a national championship and they're not making the playoff. There's some pretty glaring weaknesses, but, man, we just need something to go right. We need something to just be happy about for one week. And like, that was it. This is this is a program, like Auburn is a program that is never this bad. You never have the chance to beat Auburn on their own field like like this, especially when, you, when you're not very good yourself. And Auburn looked so bad in that game. Harson's for sure gone. Oh, he's gone. For like, it doesn't matter when if Mizzou beat him or not. There. I mean, oh yeah, he's not lasting this season. No, he's gone. They, they may not. They're not going to have a easier. I'm gonna look at their schedule, but they don't have an easier SEC game on the schedule. No, and they're, Missouri probably doesn't either. Yeah. Like that's I think that's another thing that it's just like that was our chance to potentially if we wanted to even have a chance at being bowl eligible, we had to win that game because. I mean, Auburn might be worse than Vanderbilt. Like, it's just we had to win that game if we want to get to six wins. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. It's like uh, when that happened, it's like in Star Wars. You could hear like a million screams cry out in terror or whatever the line is but it was like thousands of mizzou fans i feel like non-mizzou fans like like we were talking about neutral parties watching that game first of all how do you watch that to the end with how awful it was it's almost like 
a comedy of errors if you're a neutral bystander just you're almost laughing at these two teams yeah. which one of these teams can not lose which one of these teams is worse at losing yeah. and that's the team that's going to win yeah i mean after after that happened like i was already in shambles when mevis missed the field goal but I was just like, okay, if we can just find a way to win this, I'll just at least be like, okay, at least we won. I still wouldn't even feel good. I'd be like, that was such yeah. an awful game, but yeah. at least we pulled it out. Yeah. Because well, I kind of feel exactly. like we were the better team. Yeah. And we couldn't even we couldn't even just have the bragging rights of saying we beat Auburn. We just we couldn't even pull it out. I think I just sat there in silence on my couch for literally probably thirty minutes and just like was in I was just in sorrow. <laughs> it's like Pete never in a million years, when that ball is snapped second and five at like the 20 yard line, he's never in a million years thinking that that the end of that play, he's at the goal line. Right. And, and I feel like all Mizzou fans were like that too. Like, You're watching oh, wow, it. You're he's like, he's going. Oh, yeah. He'd, okay. They're going to push him out of bounds. No, no, he's still going. He's still yep. going. And then Great all of a sudden run. he's at the end zone and it's like the game's over right here. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like uh, like uh, I'm possessed by a demon or something. <laughs> I need to. It's like I need an exorcist or something. <laughs> this is a real thing. I mean, we we've had a couple of therapy sessions already, but this is. I mean, how, how many I, can we have in one season? I mean, I don't think we. I mean, have seen anything like this in the time that we've even had this podcast. In years, I don't think we've seen anything like this. And unfortunately, unfortunately, I mean, I think this is one of those times where you will remember where you were (laughs) when you watched this game because it was—it's unfortunately going to be one we probably never forget. Good news is we can bounce back because we get to host Georgia in prime time. I think I saw somebody say if somehow we beat Georgia, it would almost make them angry because of like. How last week we should have won mm-hmm. last week, and we would probably we you know we'd be whatever four and one or you know it just like we're I wouldn't even consider that hypothetical situation, but if by some chance it did happen, it would just make me more mad about last week. Well, we're not gonna have to worry about that. Georgia is the reigning national champion. Yeah, uh, they are four and zero with wins over Oregon, Samford, South Carolina, and Kent State. Um. And Mizzou is dealing with some injuries after the Auburn game. So um, you'll have to remind me what the – pretty sure Luther Burden is doubtful, questionable. Yeah, he's questionable. And honestly, I don't really know – I don't really know with what. He was not re- – he was, like, off the field at times in the Auburn game uh, – didn't seem to disappear a little bit and i think that's because he was injured that's true and he was uh coach drinkwood said he was instructed on punts to yeah. just fair catch the ball field it cleanly yeah. and get off the field mm-hmm. um do we need to talk about luther yes. burden for a minute yes we do what what do we need to talk about exactly i mean there's a, honestly a lot and i was gonna actually stop you probably before you went into this georgia game yeah. like we just need there's just a lot with luther burden that we need to talk about and just our expectations for like what we thought was going to happen this year and all of that but i don't even know where to start but i just feel like we talked about our expectations in the summer for like what we thought luther burden was going to do i feel like that's fairly on par with like what's happened like and it's just like but kind of disappointing still seeing how bad the offense is well people i feel like kind of freaked out a little bit when he had zero touches on offense right no rushes no right and i think that's why there's there's some give and take because it's like i want to have reasonable expectations for luther burden but i also think that there's room for him to improve i think he could play better um personally and like i think he's gonna be a, a fantastic college player of course he's the most one of the most talented players we've had at mizzou he's gonna be just fine he'll get there but i definitely think that he, he you know He's got a lot of things that he's got to improve on as a true freshman wide receiver. But I also think that he could be more involved. They could manufacture some touches for him. And it is a little frustrating when, you know, they've shown the Wildcat um, against other teams in less important games. And they've shown some creativity. 
and ha- and haven't got him the ball in some of these closer games where it just seems like they should just get the ball in his hands and see what happens. Well, and we we don't really know exactly how this injury um, factored into his availability and what they were doing with him, mm-hmm. at least in the second half. Um, they, you know, forced that one throw that turned into an interception. Yeah. Um, that, like we talked about, seemed like a designed play to get him the ball specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely... The, the problem is the expectations were insane coming into the season. And when the week one depth chart came out, and there's like an or next to everybody's name except Luther Burden. And, but that none of that changed the fact that he's a true freshman wide receiver playing in the SEC. Yeah. I mean, there's still been plenty of examples where he's had a ball hit him right in the hands and he hasn't caught it and it's been tipped and intercepted. Um, there's been some times where they've looked to get him the ball, like they've targeted him and he's just like, can't get open. And he's, he's well covered because he's the guy in the scouting report and everybody knows about him. And, and we have an offense that struggles with the intermediate passing game, which is where, um, elite wide receivers just eat in that area of the field where you can get them the ball. They've separated from their defender a little bit. You can get them the ball and allow them to make a play. Mm -hmm. It's too predictable to just it's not going to happen if you think these wide receivers are going to get all these yards from screen passes and deep balls it's just not going to happen unless you have a much better quarterback you're right he's not exactly playing with with elite quarterback play so i don't know there's so many uh levels to this where you know and obviously he's a little bit injured it looked like maybe he got tackled weird in the abilene christian game on on one of those punt returns um so there's a lot going on but I think uh, as a fan base, we just need to, and we're included in this, but just have patience and, yeah, you're wearing a Luther Burden hoodie, looking good, and support support Luther Burden through this, and, I mean, he's going to be a great player, and, um, you know, Power Mizzou put out some great uh, data, just kind of like, well, let's let's just get a reality check here. Let's, let's look at Luther Burden and how well he's doing versus other true freshmen, wide receivers in power five and so uh they they found that luther burden is ranked eighth in receptions among power five wide receivers that true freshman with just 10 receptions yes yes 10th in receiving yards and eighth in touchdown catches uh and so that doesn't even count his rushing touchdown that he had in the first game and his punt return for a touchdown against Abilene christian so Uh, I think really the message here is not only is Luther Burden fine, like he's getting plenty of opportunities. It's also the true message out of all of this is true freshman wide receivers kind of (laughs) suck. Like, you know, it just takes a while. They're not really coming in and making a difference right away. Even the most talented five-star wide receivers have done less than Luther Burden has. And I think that's just like, something that we have to keep in mind and i know that's part of being a five-star player at a place like mizzou where we don't get we don't see this kind of talent very often and i think that our expectations ran a little ran a little wild and that's uh that's fine that's part of being a fan it's fun yeah i mean yeah the way i i just say this is true freshman wide receiver stuff that we're seeing i agree and i just wanted to pull up texas a&m has a true freshman true freshman wide receiver who was right there with luther burden in the recruiting rankings um there he was actually at times ranked ahead of luther burden and he's done nothing this year so far yep less than luther burden but and you know you can go back and look at whoever you want you just go to any recruiting class sort the wide receivers pick a name go see what they did their freshman year they did it they did true freshman stuff. Yeah. So I think something that kind of goes hand in hand with this conversation is how well Dominic Lovett is doing. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's been a beast. He leads the SEC in receiving yards with 376 through four games. He's been an absolute stud. He made the play of the game in against Auburn that really should have probably sealed us a win and has been awesome. And we've talked about um, Dominic Lovett um, 
a lot this summer just being as a uh, being a breakout candidate because he was a talented recruit in his second year that's kind of like fits the model for players that are going to break out kind of the second third year players in the program with like um, good recruiting prowess and that kind of stuff and opportunity and clearly he's a starting wide receiver he had a lot of opportunity so looking at Dominic Lovett's season last year um, he had 26 receptions for 173 yards and zero receptions for touchdowns so zero receiving touchdowns he did have a rushing touchdown but 173 yards that mm-hmm. just is not very much and and we were talking about him like oh this guy's got yeah, something you yes. know, there's a spark here he's exactly. gonna be good yeah that's just like we had real realistic expectations for dominic lovett last year he didn't really do anything and yet we could still tell he's got a bright future and we this, could tell that about Luther. Forget the recruiting. Forget everything. We could tell that about Luther Burden after one game. Oh, my God. Yeah. His first game was awesome. And so this season, Dominic Lovett, through four games, uh, has 21 receptions for 376 yards and two touchdowns. So already has more than double the amount of receiving yards he had all season last year. Has two touchdowns or leads the SEC in, in receiving yards. He clearly is the ideal and it's happening against sec competition he had 102 yards against auburn yep and he's a stud he is he is the blueprint for what a successful luther burden at mizzou looks like right with probably even a um, lower ceiling than what luther burden has for sure so we just like and i don't know we talked about this a little bit a little bit just how young missouri's uh, offense is like important role like role players on this team are super young and it might be ugly for a little bit and it is it really clearly is but we just got to keep these guys together for another season or two and i think there's going to be it's going to really pay off this this may be a stretch but um do you think if michael porter jr had played one full season at mizzou do you think somehow that would have helped us not lose our minds about luther burden because we would have seen MPJ struggle at times. We, we would have seen him go like one for eight from three. We would have seen the coaching staff maybe go somewhere else with the ball in crunch time. We would have seen that kind of sure. stuff and understood like, oh yeah, this kid's, this kid's still a freshman. Yeah, I think And it's easier for a freshman to compete and like dominate in basketball. Right, yeah, football, I think it's, it really is even more difficult to make so a difference. So now it's almost like, oh, this we've got something like that again Mm -hmm. this time he won't get injured and he'll you know take us to the promised land right i I mean yeah i think that's a fairly comparable situation i think you're always going to have those fans that will never see it um in a rational viewpoint uh from rational rational way but um definitely i think that that is something we we could have maybe i don't know taken some insight from and just had real expectations for kind of a, a phenom that's coming in but um yeah, I mean, Dominic Lovett, Eli Drinkwitz recruit, Dalen Carnell, Eli Drinkwitz recruit. Got to give these guys some time. Um, let let Coach get his guys in here, and I think we'll think we'll be fine. Back to injuries. What else do we have injury-wise? Chad Bailey's out against Georgia. Uh, Damian Wilson played for him quite a bit against Auburn. It looks pretty good. I like Damian Wilson a lot. Um, Going to be a good inside linebacker. Um, gonna get a little bit of playing time earlier than maybe he thought he would. Um, Chad Bailey, I think, is gonna be back though. I don't think he it's a serious injury or anything. Right. Elijah Young's out again. Um, opportunity for for Pete to, to bounce back, get some confidence. I know it sounds weird against the number one team in the country, but yeah, just get the ball in his hands. And yeah. Just let's forget it. Yeah. He he needs another twenty carries just to kind of wash his mouth out. I agree. And then Zeke Powell is out for the year, uh, and he's out of eligibility, so he is, he's done. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, so we're immediately going to see somebody, uh, true freshman? Pro- yeah, we're going to see probably more Connor Wood and more uh, Armand Mimbao for sure. Um, but uh, Mitchell Walters played pretty well um, in the game against Auburn, um, and Armand Mimbao played well. So I think uh, he's, he's going to be a really good player. There's a, there's opportunity if Missouri could land a couple offensive line recruits. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you just do not see offensive linemen come in and contribute as true freshmen. I mean, that's literally an unheard of. Yeah. At the SEC level, 
Well, yeah, we're going to have to keep an eye on that all season because if he is even decent in SEC play, then I can only think about um, Makai Wingo. Not that that Mbao will transfer, but just thinking about like... Like, wow, look at this trajectory I'm on. Yeah, but I'm I'm trying to stay positive with it here and just thinking about, okay, that's two linemen... Now I'm putting a lot on Mbao here, but there's opportunity to see what he can do. Yeah. And that might be the case that uh, Drinkwitz has another guy who's just too young to really make a difference, but it's it's there. It's promising. Yeah. So he'll be one to watch for sure. Um, there's really not a ton to talk about with Georgia. They're 4-0. Um, Kent State so far has given him the best game but uh georgia turned the ball over three times in that game Mm -hmm. they have their quarterback back from their um undefeated championship winning team they reloaded on defense they were already reloaded but next man up means another half dozen nfl draft picks including probably the number one overall pick in the draft potentially and they have the best tight end in the country in yeah. uh, Brock, Brock Bowers. Bowers. He's amazing. And he's only a, he's a true sophomore. Yes. Yeah, um, you know, I kind of thought that Georgia had a had a chance to drop off a little bit, and I actually still think that's possible. I st- they're not as good as they were last year. I mean, that's a pretty impossible standard to compare yourself to. It, I mean, literally one of the best college football teams ever last year probably. But, uh, and, you know, they still are – easily the best team in college football right now and uh but i think they've got a chance to uh to to, uh kind of step up along the way somewhere or i think they could they could get beat for sure um they lost 15 players to the nfl to the nfl draft specifically they had five which is a record by the way uh they had five players go in the first round that's insane yeah um some guys you guys have probably heard of uh, both of their running backs they lost from last year, James Cook um, and Zamir White. Zamir White's kind of the the goal line guy. He's a bigger back, and uh, James Cook was kind of a pass catching, more kind of a, an electric playmaker. Uh, they lost George Pickens, who was um, a pretty talented, like big wide receiver who killed us a few times. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, they still have Stetson Bennett and still have Brock Bowers. Um, got a lot of talent that's still there. Stetson Bennett is honestly underrated as far as like how fun he is to watch because he doesn't really do anything crazy it's like this is a ridiculous comparison but the style of play is what eh, i don't i shouldn't even go there but it's like the style of play is what would turn this missouri offense like stetson bennett as the quarterback of the Missouri Tigers, honestly, we're probably a top 25 offense. He just is so good. Just efficient. So efficient. So good at getting the ball in the playmaker's hands. So good at going through his progressions and finding the open man. And yeah. so good at avoiding the defense. Just like not turning the ball over, not putting himself in weird positions where he has to do something crazy. Yeah, It's like... It's like game manager quarterback on steroids. Yeah, it is like their offense isn't like super explosive necessarily. I mean, obviously they can break big plays and they will, but um, it's not necessarily some high-flying offense, uh, maybe like Alabama with Bryce Young or something like that. It's it's very controlled, it methodical, efficient. And then they'll kill you with a big play when yeah. you're not ready for it, for yeah. sure. Just wear you down. Yeah, I mean, not many teams in the country have a tight end that will just outrun safeties, but Brock Bowers definitely has that capability. Yeah, he's like capability. 6'4", 260 or yeah. something. He's and, unreal, yeah. and I'm sure he'll have some big plays against us on um, Saturday, but... Uh, I watched. I watched a little bit of their game against Kent State, um, some highlights and stuff. And um, I mean, Kent State played really well. And you know, I think I'm sure Georgia was not playing their best and had some uncharacteristic turnovers stuff. They had some fumbles. They threw a couple interceptions. So they were kind of killing themselves a little bit. Um, but they looked beatable, really. Like in the, not maybe not by Missouri, but they, uh, somebody I think will beat Georgia because if they, if they continue to make some of those mistakes. Uh, 
you know, they're up they front. They might have got them all out in the Kent State game. That's very possible. But, you know, up front, Kent State was holding, holding their own and um, making plays. So, I don't know. Georgia already destroyed South Carolina 48-7. to Now, to resume SEC play, they get Missouri, Auburn, Vanderbilt. So, Good Lord. Yeah. And they're, I mean, they're, I disagree with you. They're going to go undefeated. Uh, Missouri, Auburn, Vanderbilt, Florida at home, Tennessee at home, at Mississippi State, at Kentucky, Georgia Tech at home. Yeah, I mean, I haven't looked at their schedule, but Tennessee, Kentucky, I guess one of I those was could thinking, do it. Uh, yeah, maybe they'll uh, they'll have to play somebody in the SEC uh, championship game. But I guess I just don't think. I think last year we all knew it. Georgia's yeah. winning the national championship. Nobody can can challenge them. I don't necessarily feel that way as much this year, but still, clearly, the best team in the country. Let's make some predictions. Um, I'm predicting bounce back game for. Harrison Mevis. He's going to kick two field goals. He's going to make two field goals. Georgia's going to win the game 37-6 to six and cover the spread. That's very similar to what I was going to predict. Um, Shocker. Yeah, I'll say 38-13. Uh, to 13. Uh, That's Georgia, by the way. It's got 38 points. I but almost want to say there's... Zero chance Missouri scores a touchdown in this game. Zero chance. Uh, is there a better chance they score on defense somehow? Potentially. I've heard uh, some good and some encouraging things about the attendance. This is a night game. Yes. Uh, so it's hopefully going to be a great environment. Uh, I've heard that they're expecting a sellout crowd. So maybe that's a lot of Georgia fans that are traveling. I have no idea. But even if it is, I that's fine. I want to see a full stadium. Make it make it loud. It's the very least we can do. Yeah. Just make it a crazy environment and see what happens. And if you need to tell yourself a story, uh, there's you're going to get to see some really good Georgia players that are going to be in the NFL someday. Tell yourself a story. <laughs> and um, you get to see some Missouri players that might be taking us to a good season in the coming years. If we're yeah, lucky. I mean that's at this point that where do we go from here? That's the, that's what we're looking for. That's we want to see success stories with individual players like Dominic Lovett or Dalen Carnell. We want to see the young guys um, show they're ready for you know to step up and, and take that leap um, for next year. And I, it sucks that we are four games into the season and we pretty much already know we're just packing it in for next year unless something crazy changes. Um, unfortunately, we are looking forward to Sam Horn leading us in the future and a lot of these young recruits stepping up into uh, bigger roles. And So that's what I'm going to be watching is uh, how does Luther Burden look? How, how do these young guys look? And uh, what's the future look like? You only get 12 games a year. Better enjoy them. Enjoy it. You'll be sad when the season's over. That's honestly true. No matter how bad we are, I always am. All right. Uh, there's actually a really small slate of SEC games this week. Uh, a couple teams are playing FCS opponents. A couple teams are off. So this will be pretty quick. Uh, Producer Cameron, how did we do last week? Alrighty, Last week, Cameron, myself, and the guest pickers all scored eight points. Kyle scored nine points, bringing our totals to Cameron has 31. Kyle has 34. Guest pickers, no, Kyle has 33. Guest pickers have 34, and I have 38. Okay. Nobody's oh. out of it. Nobody's I need to it. do better. You're not packing it up for ne- for, th- for next year. No way. I'm going to make moves this week. It depends on what you guys do, obviously, whether I can gain on you, but I've got a good plan, I think. Alrighty, Number seven, Kentucky at number 14, Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a seven-point favorite. Uh, listening at home, take a drink every time producer Cameron says, alrighty. Uh, alrighty. <laughs> yeah, that's another one. <laughs> um, what was the game? <laughs> Now you're going to have me thinking about that the whole freaking segment. <laughs> seven, Kentucky at 14, Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a seven-point favorite. Kentucky. You're in his head now, poor guy. Kentucky all the way. All right, I have Kentucky. Oh, man. I was going to pick Kentucky. Our guest picker is Tristan. He wanted to redeem himself this week, so we'll hey, see how he does. And who do he you picks pick? Ole Miss. Kentucky's a seven-point underdog? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ole Miss is good. Is Chris Rodriguez back yet? No idea. Uh, give me Kentucky. 
against against my brand of saying Kentucky's hey. good. I don't know what you're talking about. Next up, number two, Alabama at number twenty, Arkansas. Alabama is a seventeen point favorite. Alabama. Yeah. Alabama. Alabama. Arkansas sucks. They lost to AM. Holy They almost lost to Missouri State. Yeah, they suck. <laughs> They're done. They're toast. Kentucky has looked good this year. Beat Florida by 10. Our third game is number 17, Texas A&M at Mississippi State. Mississippi State is a four-point favorite. Give me Texas A&M. I'll take A&M. Mississippi State is favored? A&M's bad, I thought. At home? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know what Mississippi State's done this year. Chris Rodriguez is back. I'll take Mississippi State. All right, take a chance. I don't think that's going to be good. LSU at Auburn. Auburn is an eight-point favorite. No, 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 no. I thought that's what it said. No way. Let me look back. Look again. I'll look again. LSU is an eight-point favorite. Oh, yeah, just like you said. Okay, yeah. Um, (laughs) I'll take LSU. Oh, you know. The battle of mid- yeah. Yeah, give me LSU. Coach Harson, you know, coaching for his job. The he's team's not gonna, coaching team's, anyone. Team's going to rally around him. I heard he's done showing up late to practice. I didn't even know he was doing that, but I'm not surprised. That was a rumor. Uh, yeah, I'll take LSU. All right, everyone's on LSU. That was a rumor. I saw uh, – I want Auburn to lose every game that they play the rest of eternity. Okay, they're Alabama s- fan. They're, they're bad. Why do you hate them so much? Because they're bad <laughs> and they won the game. They're so bad. We couldn't beat him. I saw this thing with uh, Lane Kiffin. I don't just I don't know why I just thought of this, but speaking of just like coaches and stuff, he's a coach. I'm pretty sure. Now I just saw this one little tweet about this, but I'm pretty sure he said something about he was like tired of walking out of the tunnel and seeing the crowd look like a high school game or something like that. With he was like frustrated with the Ole Misses uh, fan base. Ooh, like, did he call them losers? No, he didn't, but Ooh. I'm just like, you. there's no way you win this. What are you trying to accomplish yeah. here? Like, mm-hmm. okay, let's go to the games now. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. They're like top 15 team undefeated. He's like crabby about it. Just go somewhere else if you're that mad about it. Yeah, go to USC. Yeah. He already did that once. Our last game is Indiana at Nebraska. Nebraska is a five-point favorite. Easy. I don't know Indiana. why. Easiest upset Indiana. pick. Ever. This is the time of year Indiana. where I start falling behind in the pick'em boys. I'm taking Nebraska. <laughs> oh my goodness! Thank you. I mean, what has Nebraska done to Nothing. deserve to be favored against a Power Five opponent? Nothing. They should be at least. It should be even. Maybe give them three points for being at home. If that's how Vegas works, there's no way they should be favored by more than three what points. What are we doing here? All right, I'm on an island, but. We know how that goes. I mean, I didn't need any more reason to pick against Nebraska, but, I mean, that is just as easy as it gets. Yeah. Easy bonus point. And we just jinxed them, so congratulations. You're welcome, Producer Cameron. Thanks. <laughs> Going to extend his lead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, just, you know, try to clear your clear your mind from that Auburn game. Don't go watch the video. We did it for you. Yes. You don't need to do it. Yes. It's unspeakable. It's, it's Thursday. You know, Georgia game's right around the corner. We're putting it to rest. We don't have to look at this again. We don't have to think about this again until, like, after the season's over. If Missouri beats Georgia, is that the most surprising outcome of any football game ever played? Yes. Uh, special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Lewis Hernandez, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Garofalo, Brandon Hanks. Thanks for sticking with us, guys. One of those guys is named Daddy. That's his first name, I think. Okay. Uh, thank you, guys. Um, you can find this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers if you're into that kind of thing. MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com Thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next week. I forget our brains beat.